Hey, this is Eli. Greetings to everyone quarantined and on forced coronacation, as my niece calls it. <laughs> Andrew and I wanted to just give a quick update from the North Caucasus and let everybody know we're standing with you guys and um, just want to wish you the best during this really strange time. Uh, we're both pretty much on lockdown in our cities. Things are pretty quiet on the streets. We're really glad that people are taking it seriously here. It's slow on the uptake, but things are um, definitely changing. Yeah, we just want to encourage you to do all the things that you know to do. Wash your hands, stay home, keep your distance from people, rest, relax. <laughs> and you can take the time to catch up on all those Caucus Talk episodes you've been just dying to listen to but haven't found the time. The time is now. Of course, you got lots of other stuff to listen to, but we're going to keep producing. We got a great episode today, more coming, and just want you to know it. We're all in this together, so keep it up, keep the chin up, and pretty soon it'll be over. With much love, on to our episode. You're listening to episode 69 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm your host, Eli. Now, many of you listeners know that Andrew and I both have our families with us here in the North Caucasus. And, you know, there is everywhere, no matter where you are, whether you have one kid or 21 kids, there is a, <laughs> an art and a science to parenting. You know, it's a constant dance. It's a constant learning curve. Um, oh, every single day. Yeah. No matter where you are. Well... For this is a, we thought we'd take a little, a little time to examine what parenting is like for us in the Caucasus, and this is our final in our series of uh, day in the Caucasus life. Um, so, and what are we calling? We're it, calling Eli? this one "Dadding in Dagestan." Yes, and I know Andrew's not in Dagestan. We could have done parenting in Pitigorsk. But it's, you know, there's nothing quite like dadding. In fact, we are claiming, we are initiating, initializing, and claiming the hashtag dadding in Dagestan because I'm pretty darn sure it's not out there, but we're going to, we're going to start it. In fact, I I can see, I can see the, the the merch coming, Andrew. I mean, (laughs) you you know, the headbands, the fanny packs, the the whole thing, it's it's coming your way. Dadding in Dagestan. Sleeveless shirts. Oh, man. Uh, so give us some context, Andrew. Just kind of parenting here versus there before we dive into some specifics. Yes. So, um, you know, we're both Americans. We're from the United States. The phrase that is used in America to kind of describe the, like, parenting culture for young children is People say soccer moms, soccer mom culture. Oh, yeah. Um, and that typically reflects uh, a mom with a minivan who uh, a lot of her day is spent uh, picking, taking kids to school, picking them up. And then especially in that, you know, mid to late afternoon to early evening window, carting her kids around everywhere, soccer practice, music classes, after school activities, and whatever it's a, it's it is. It's a constant, it's a constant negotiation because you want your kids involved, but they could get endlessly involved in everything. I mean, my, my sister feels that my brother, I mean, I'm sure your siblings too. It's like, and our friends, yeah. 
It's trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's a, it's a good summary. <laughs> I'm laughing. Yeah, uh, Sorry, my brother and I videoed uh, for like a year. We did an action film <laughs> in high school. Just this like great, like we, we just got a bunch of chase scenes and blew stuff up. But one of the bad guys <laughs> in one of the chase scenes has this red Volvo station wagon. We're like, <sighs> it's what we had, you know? It's like, no, the soccer mom is coming. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Please find that and send it to me. Andre, Link if you're, if you're listening. Notes maybe. Oh, that video is not for public viewing necessarily. Anyway, uh, I'll show it to you VHS, in private viewing. I will, I will watch the VHS tape with you when uh, we find it. All right. We got it. We got it. I have it in my yeah. possession. So, Eli, as I was thinking about this episode, this music zip video I saw many years ago came to mind, and oh. it, took me, it took me minutes to remember the title. But it's simply called Dad Life. And uh, listeners, we've got, this, we've got this linked in the show notes, but it is a hilarious music video. I think actually a church made it in the United States okay. for, for Father's Day. And it has these four dads, you know, all but in their early 40s to mid 50s. And it's like a total satire but also a lot of truth showing like well it's like a rap video what it's like to be a kind of a suburban dad yeah so they're acting like like tough and gangster but they have like like white socks up mid calf with sandals on these you know these things that are just like symbolic they're bragging about like their their riding lawnmower or their pleated and pants and it's really funny their uh the decorations I'm, around their I'm house. sure we relate to none of it at all <laughs> um anyways uh Please watch this. It's hilarious. But <laughs> after you listen. So I actually don't know, Eli, if there's a word here that's like mom? an equivalent of the soccer mom. Yeah. We'll find out. That's we a sh- good question. We always think of our good questions during our episodes <laughs> rather than before them. <laughs> questions should always come before they well, answer. What have right? you observed? I mean, I when I think about, and we're getting into this phase of our lives now, our daughter is seven, our oldest daughter is seven. And so this was the first uh year in our lives where our daughter had a more than once a week something happening that we had to take her to and pick her up from. Uh, she's doing swim lessons now. Right. And so um, that for me was like, oh, wow, this is a whole new stage of parenthood. And it was uh, kind of hit home on Christmas Eve, which for us is December 24th. But in Russia, Christmas is on January 7th. Oh, man. And so- right. December 24th has no significance here. And I spent the entire morning at my daughter's uh, swim competition. Oh man. Yeah. And so like that really hit home for me. Like, uh, we live in a different country, and, yeah. but there is this kind of after school culture of parents doing activities for their kids. So I would say in the U S the big things that kids are doing after school, that parents are driving them around to are sports, all kinds of sports. Uh, music lessons, yep. dance, anything else you would add to that, that like are maybe, prominent? Maybe tutoring. I mean, there's different math things I would say, or yeah. kind of, but that gets a little more specialized, but yeah, those are the big ones for sure. Definitely. Sports, sports is a big one. I mean, I'm, huge, yeah. I'm one of four kids and, uh, almost all of us played baseball and basketball. And then, right. yeah, we were, our parents carted us around. Gosh, it's amazing for so many Endlessly, years. Yeah, um, it, it is amazing. So that, Andrew, that's we're about to become amazing. 
<laughs> one day our kids we'll will say realize. how amazing we are. Maybe just yes. one time on a podcast episode, but they'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in the Caucasus, there there's a after school culture and things I've noticed that kids are doing a lot outside of school. The private tutor kind of is a big uh, one. Culture is huge here. Yeah. yeah. For different subjects. Yeah. Um, swimming is big. It's really big in Pitygorsk. Um, yeah. I'm assuming wrestling, obviously, deeper into I the I mean, Caucasus it's almost comical, one. but like over here in Dagestan, the after school thing is some kind of fighting sport for boys. In fact, we may feature this kid on a later episode if we can work it out with his dad. We, there's an Australian kid whose dad is Dargeen. And his whole family lives in Australia, but he was just sent here for the school year to live with his grandparents so that he could do three things. Go to Russian school to learn Russian, go to wrestling class, and go to Lesginka class. Wow. So Lesginka is the local dance. So the big ones are Lesginka, are wrestling sports, and Lesginka for boys and girls, and and wrestling um, for mainly for boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say from my observations, uh, I think you and I are probably a little more involved in kind of our children's lives and the activities they're doing than probably the average Caucasus dad. Um, I could be wrong, but this is what I've observed. That being said, like, you know, just in like having our kids in preschool the last four years, yeah, I see dads regularly, taking their kids to school and picking them up. So there are a lot of things that dads are involved in. Yeah. Um, but there's a bit more in the Caucasus of a kind of delineation between the mom's role with the kids and the dad's role. See, here's what I um, wonder. What the same here, like most of the drop-offs at our preschool are dads. Okay. But I think there's more of an executive role on this side of dads very opinionated about what they want their kids involved in, whether or not they're the yeah. ones, you know, schlepping them to and fro. It's also here Men do the lion's share of the driving. There are women who drive. It's not like a rule or anything. It's just they don't tend to drive as much. So I think taking to and fro. Anyway, but yeah, it's a toss-up. I'm not sure. Um, There's definitely an involvement, but it might be more of like an executive involvement. Yes. And so even like some of the things you're going to like walk us through here, as I read over them, it's a lot of things that moms are involved with here. Yes. But that we've learned just because yeah, yeah, yeah. like we're, we're trying to figure out like yes. how to like raise kids in a different culture, you know? <laughs> um, so anyways, there's some pretty awesome things here. You're going to talk us through, right. Eli. So why don't you go ahead and take it away? All right. So there are some survival. This is, this is Eli's one one on, on p- surviving parenting in the caucuses. And uh, I've got a survival kit. I've got survival purchases. And then uh, survival skills. I think we'll go in that order. And Andrew, just, you know, chime in wherever you want. But yep. for those of you who are getting ready to move here with your families, <laughs> this will be very useful. <laughs> no. Uh, <clears throat> but first, Talk about niche. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so what do you need to really thrive parenting in the Caucasus? Here's your survival kit. Number one is super glue. And this is particularly for dads. Again, I don't, I'm not privy to like a lot of other dads home, but I know that I'm not the only one because they sell super glue at every checkout in the country. 
It's everywhere. You don't have to go somewhere to find it. And the reason is that my children, so my desk is also like Geppetto's workshop. So when something breaks, I find it on my desk. And I, my first reaction is like, why is it? <laughs> and then I realize like, oh, this broken, cheap toy is here for me to do something helpful with. And so I check with my wife. I'm like, is this, you need me to fix that? And she's like, yeah, it broke. So first of all, the toys here just tend to be cheap. They are just very disposable, cheap plastic, poorly made, almost all of them, except for imported ones that are really expensive for the main part. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah. So my kids' Legos or fake Legos or their Transformers or their dolls, they just get them and then immediately. So I have become like so facile with plastics, Andrew. I do things that I, so there's super glue, which works for certain things. Then there's like melting them together. I'm over there at the stove and I got tweezers and I'm like (laughs) squishing stuff. Then there's burning holes on one side and burning holes on the other and wiring the thing together. Hello? Wow. I've used like staples. This is legit. I've used like, yeah, coat, uh, hang, I mean, I've, I've gone after it, you know, cause it's like. I just spent a dollar and thirty cents on this. I'm not gonna let it go to waste. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm actually getting some ideas. Instead of moving the broken toys from my bedside stand <laughs> to my wife's bedside stand, of how I could actually fix them. <laughs> you can fix them. You can just we. I you could probably throw them away. You can also we put stuff out by the dumpster. And much to my chagrin, without my permission, my children also collect things from outside the dumpster <laughs> often. I see my, my three-year-old, and she has these, like, blazing pink shoes on that are really tattered. I'm like, where did those come from? She's like, I got them at the, at the trash. You're like, oh, my gosh. Uh, All right. So super glue. Number two, you have to have a home printer and scanner because you will constantly need to be copying original documents. Now, we've talked about documents, oh. you get it, but like we're talking birth certificate, translation of birth certificate, notarization of translation of copy of passport, I mean, all those things, you've got to print them. And a friend of mine, I have an yeah. inkjet, he has a laser printer. And he's like, dude, you got to get a laser printer because they <laughs> actually print. And my inkjet, I won't go into it. I've, I've refilled my own cartridges, but... <laughs> Not surprising. It's a little... Messy, but his toner cartridge totally bit it the other day. And I was like, boom, I got the ink. Anyway, um, next thing. So that's super glue printer with scanner. Or, yes. or you could just become really good friends with the local coffee shop, yeah. co- coffee shop guys. I don't, I don't feel they, you know, every, you know, Xerox it, machines keep copies of everything you copy on them, like on a right. chip inside. And that is beamed to a space station. No, I, yeah. Well, all our thing, all our stuff then is at the local coffee shop. <laughs> copy. I see, keep saying coffee, and I mean copy. Copy. Print shop. shop print print shop. shop. Yeah, yeah. We're, we are really good friends with our local print shop guys. The guys right around the corner up, from you. We we don't, we don't have a, a printer. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it can be done. All right. It can be done. Next thing you need is shoe shine equipment. This is another thing. When you go into any store, there's always a shoe shine section. Now, my dad shined his shoes growing up, and my dad is like has some traditional things about him. And we're talking like a wooden chest with a brass buckle and you open it up and there's a badger hair brush inside and there's 
buffing things. And then there are these wow. kiwi cans of, you know, old school shoe shine. You got brown and black, and it's like it's like ye old process of shoe shining. And it's really inspirational, but who's really I mean, gonna it's do like that? It's like a lost art. It's like a lost art, right? You see it in the airports. And that that's is it. that's it, right? US. Or like the subway in New York. This is not that. This is a little plastic case with a piece of foam inside with a little color squirted on it or a little chemical. And people shine their shoes. It has to be multiple times a day. (laughs) Because people's shoes here are immaculate always. And your shoes are supposed to look immaculate. So this is a problem if you're a parent. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I mean, we, we... one of the first things, I, one of my first memories was going to hang laundry outside our window and looking at our neighbor's laundry hanging place and seeing shoes clipped out there. I was like, shoes? That means you washed your shoes and you're drying them and that's a thing people do. Oh, anyway. Sort of new for me. So you got to- We're so, yeah, shoes. gosh. Yeah. We're so bad about that. And um, we don't even notice it because we're Americans and shoes are grimy and people here notice, they notice. And they judge you. All right. Uh, so the, the th- fourth thing you need is an enormous first aid kit. Now, every parent needs a first aid kit. I mean, this is just true because children yes. learn through experience. And that's good. And that's yeah. fine. And cuts and scrapes and bumps and bruises. The thing is here, <laughs> when you go to get medicine, like from a pharmacist or from a doctor, they're not yeah. just going to prescribe you like a thing that you need that does the job or even two. You're going to get subscribed, prescribed like six or seven kinds of responses to this ailment. Right, right. So what would normally fit in like we have a CVS zipper pouch thing that, you know, you open it and there's Band-Aids and the antibacterial stuff and a little gauze or whatever. We now have two boxes with handles that are specially made first day. They have a tray in them, removable tray, because yeah. we get so much stuff. And we don't know what it all is. We're on WebMD and like looking at NIH, like, what is this thing? Trying to figure it out. You uh. end up with so much medicine, which is kind of useful. Uh, but you need like some big boxes. Yeah. It's Christy and I often, we've experienced this a lot. And uh, she actually, she told me recently, she thinks it's because. In the U.S., often medicine, you'll have lots of ingredients mixed into one. Right. To kind of be like a five-in-one kind yeah, of yeah, medicine. Yeah. Not and so much here. Here, they're all separate. Like, right. Yeah. So first aid duffel bag. Got it. <laughs> and my final, <laughs> my final item on your survival kit uh, is dental insurance. <laughs> because I, I don't know that the attitude is this, but it seems the attitude is like, they're going to fall out anyway, so who cares about kids' teeth? <laughs> um, and the main thing is people give candy to children all the time. I mean, Andrew, yeah. all the time? It's, like, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, it's a joke now. We, we joke that in the U.S., we, like, we, you know, we have to train our kids. I think I've said this before. Like, don't take the, it's a trope. Don't take candy from... A stranger. stranger, right? Don't take candy from strangers because, and here we're like, okay, strike that. When you're here, you <laughs> must take candy from strangers. <laughs> like people who walk up to you and give you candy, you have to take it and say thank you. Yeah, but- and like people, 
literally carry candy in their pockets to give the kids if they run into them. It is almost weird. You turn around and, and like some old lady just like did a run by, you know, candying of your family. It's like, where did you all get that candy? Like, <laughs> we just got candied. We just got candied. So And like there's no reasoning too either about putting limits on it. Like, cause people are always you'll say, okay, you know, five pieces per kid is enough. And they'll say, Oh no, 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 they're kids. Let them have as much as they want. And so like literally there's been times my kids are like swiping their hands in the bowl, just getting as much in their pocket as they can. <laughs> and I'm like, can there be some kind of like boundaries here? Can and I just like, say, no, 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 they're kids. They're kids. <laughs> I walked Andrew's kids back from preschool a couple times. And there's this particular <laughs> shop with like candy Nazis. And these ladies started, like they took a liking really, to Andrew's yeah. kids. And they're they, real estate agents. Yeah. They come like running. If the kids walk by, <laughs> they come running out with this like really like angry expression, like, like come in here and get candy. <laughs> and like, and I didn't know anything about this when we walked past. And so your kids were like, no, we're supposed to go and get candy there. I was like, well, just take one piece. Cause I knew that that's sort of what, and I went in and the lady was on the phone with a client and I start ushering the kids out and she, she like scowled at me and waved her hand violently in the air. Like, no, stop it. Let them take the candy. Like she didn't actually say it cause she's on the phone with them. And she's like, ah, and then talking that they're like, no, give them candy. I mean, she was like angry at me for limiting. The, the oh, candy man. That can take. A little scared. And she closed it, closed the business deal at the same time. Two and oh, one, man. man. So the awesome. candy and often, yeah. What people always bring gifts. Like at, when they come as guests, and often it's a ton of sweets or candy for your kids. Like so, like, oh, not we, we have a constant battle. Just, well, battle and like a ridiculous amount of candy always in our house. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes, it's like Halloween all the time, and not just people, but we. You know, when we were first in preschool, they're like, "Oh, you have to pay this for this event coming up." We didn't know. We just always hand them money, like, "Oh, smile and nod." And then we turn <laughs> around, and they've given them each a tub each child i mean they spent like 10 bucks on this tub packed with yeah. candy we're like oh yeah, new year's yeah that's so we're not anti-candy necessarily but we just think there should be limits so that's sort of uh takes us into our into our uh skills section nice so that's the survival kit the skills they're various and sundry many of these tend to fall into our wives domain it's true it's just how it is um and the first one is the first skill is an extremely high tolerance for WhatsApp. <sighs> now, I don't know what I, WhatsApp is not mainstream in the U.S. as it is here. WhatsApp yeah. is yeah. absolutely ubiquitous here. Everyone uses it all the time, nonstop. Yeah, it's a texting app. Yep. I mean, I went on a tour two weeks ago, and we all were in a group to share photos. You know, after the tour, people were like, great time, it was great to feed. This morning, I woke up and there were 21 texts from the tour group. I don't even know these people. And it's like, they're still texting. <laughs> but especially for kids in school or, kinder or preschool, there are yeah. WhatsApp groups. We call them the mom groups. And yep. they are, uh, let me just say, my wife regularly wakes up. She's in two groups. Because we have two kids in preschool, she regularly wakes up to over 250 messages on her phone. Man. Yeah, I had to like, I turned off the um for groups I have to be in. You turned off I the notification. Off, 
the notification. Yeah. So like, I'll just, if I can read them if I want, but I'm not getting buzzed about it every time. It's, it's, it's incessant. You have to do that. Or inside WhatsApp, you can mute a particular conversation. So you have to have a tolerance for that to like stream through that, figure out like, is this a joke? Is this an emoji? Is this, you know, Oh, did someone like at midnight wake me up with a ding because they sent uh, like a picture of a dog sledding down the hill, but they put their face on the dog's face. So it looks like, like, Oh, why am I getting this? But, (laughs) but someone will be like, Oh, by the way, don't forget, we have to pay 200 rubles tomorrow for the, and you have to be involved. So you have to have a high tolerance for that. And you have to have a really like, you know, thumb typing or we're talking a hundred words per minute here. You got to (laughs) like in Russian In in Russian. Yeah. Nonetheless. All right, the next the next skill you have to acquire. This one is really difficult for me. I would say I'm still learning to uh, uh, tolerate this. You have to have a very high tolerance for rhyming poetry. Now, this may not be a big deal for a lot of people. It's like, great, poems are, you know, they rhyme. I don't know if it's just my upbringing. My sister is a published poet. I'm not a snooty about this, but I definitely like don't always like my poems to rhyme. They seem a little nursery rhymish or childish. Poetry here rhymes <laughs> now why does that matter because from a young age your children are made to memorize it yeah and recite it at the drop of a hat and they don't just so you have to do a lot i mean that's like how it's supposed to be done to yes, me that's sort tone, of yeah the tonage yeah really it's very unique. like saccharine to me and kind of makes my soul shrivel a little bit but it's everywhere here and so you have to just you know go with it so that's that's not for everyone i do think i will say children who are rhyming poetry is really cute um when adults are doing it it seems a little kitschy to me yeah Um, like a college talent show that being said one of the most amazing rhyming poetry uh presentations i ever heard was I was at a wedding actually. It was a Turkmen wedding, Turk, uh, so from Turkmenistan. And this guy gave a like three minute long poet poem about the greatness of Turkmens, and it was really funny. And the whole thing rhymed. It was it was incredible. I wish now I that is it. true. If you like look into oral arts, like rhyming is a memory you know aid, and a lot of poetry <laughs> rhymes in the world. So like get over to Eli. I know, I know, it's not, but I just. I'm like, can we do anything else? Can we have like a non-metered poem? But that's not, (laughs) that's for later. All right. Number three on my survival skills. You have to have a really high tolerance for what I would basically describe as Chuck E. Cheese style family restaurant experiences. (laughs) Sorry. My business partner's in the studio with me and he's over there shaking his head and like shivering. (laughs) (laughs) So... There are these family restaurants here. There's restaurants and then there's family restaurants. And family restaurants have have all of the ADD inducing, you know, things that yeah. kids love. And it's a little bit like going to a carnival and you have to be okay with that. It if yeah. you want to take your family out, you go to one of these family restaurants. I mean, essentially it's it's uh it's not to the level of Chuck E. Cheese, but there's a kid, it's a decent restaurant. There's a kid play place kind of off in a corner or a separate room. And there's usually a TV showing some kid movie in there. 
Yeah, um, but some uh, over here, there's they've got arcades. A lot of them, they've got, um, yeah, a lot of shows. So I don't know. It, maybe that's not. It's a good thing ah, too because the kids so that, go and play. So maybe there are different kinds actually in Dagestan. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There's more like family experience things here. Gotcha. I will say we, because. In the U.S., like us taking our little kids to restaurants, we would mainly go to like Chick-fil-A because they have a play place. Uh, we didn't feel comfortable taking them to other restaurants just because we wouldn't enjoy it and others wouldn't. And we've really liked that here, that there is a bit of a like the kid can enjoy the experience and the and the Definitely, can, and that is a, that's a definite win. Uh, I think, I think it, it's just sort of a change of mindset, sort of like. The, For uh, sure kind of what's expected here. Okay, last survival skill. Um, this sort of crosses over with our, our survival purchases. About, I said 200 bucks per kid's birthday. And that's because the kid's birthdays here are really about the adults. Yeah. So it's expected when you have a birthday party, you invite a set amount of people, and then you just buy dinner for everyone. You, yep. you reserve a whole big table. You buy, do not make, do not make, I repeat, unless you are a professional cake maker, do not make your cake. You buy this extravagant, like, mini wedding cake, and then you buy very large conspicuous decorations, and you might even hire an animator. Now, is that the, like, entertainer? Yes. So this is, like, Ah, the kid's birthday party entertainer clown type person. And this yes. is a grown adult who does kids games and, and, and sometimes restaurants will have a room for this and what they have to have is a microphone. Yes. It's and loud. so it's loud if you do that, but, oh. and it's just like, that's sort of, that's the standard. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there are other ways people do it, but we saw that a lot. So that was an well, adjustment. It, that in and of itself is fine. But when you're going out to dinner and then you choose a restaurant that has that party happening at that moment. <laughs> it's the worst, you know, <laughs> we actually sent our kids. We didn't know it was like a private thing. We sent our kids. They're like, Oh look, there's a clown. <laughs> Go over and get some candy. And they're like, totally like invaded this kid's birthday party. Uh, like, Oh, sorry. Anyway, just, just say happy birthday to every kid that looks at you. That's right. Uh, All right. That's awesome. My last set of survival things is survival purchases. Things that you have to be ready to drop cash for. Um, this one is not totally unique to here, but school photos and DVDs. And like when you think school photos, what do you think of, Andrew? What's a school photo look like? Uh, you usually wear something nice. You've got your, your hair like done well. And usually like, yeah, it's a single headshot. And, and what's- I always... I always remember, this is my memory associated with it. This is my one shot to get a good picture in the yearbook. I can't screw it up. There you go. <laughs> That's it. And what's in the background? Uh, it's like a very like gray or kind of bland background. Yeah, it's like this, this sort of vaguely textured thing, right? And it's just a head, headshot's a great word. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, okay, school photos next week. We're like, okay, great. And then we paid money. And what comes back to us? is my five-year-old, <laughs> I might even put this in the show notes, my five-year-old dressed in like a 1920s, I don't know, he looked like someone who would send telegrams. Like it was this button-down thing with a black band on the wrist, a little 
like black cap and a small bow tie. And uh-huh. he has next to him like a typewriter. I, mean, I don't know. I, I'm, and then there's this just glowing, sparkling, you know, graphics around the frame. And he's got his head cocked in this most sort of thoughtful and angelic pose. And his hand is sort of lifted. And I'm like, what is this? Like, <laughs> wh- what does it mean? Like, who? <laughs> Who put him in this costume and why? <laughs> I didn't understand it. And who chose it this background? At all. And then it was like for Women's Day. And so it was a gift to the mothers. And I don't, I still don't know the connection of like what the 1920s telegram sender. Anyway, it was very cute and surprising. But that was nothing compared to Dien Pabiedi, which came later, which is Day uh, of the Defenders. Or, um, yes. Victory Day. Victory Day, thank you, which is um, Remembrance of World War II. And then we had a selection of things we could choose, and these were all like full-on diorama-style scenes in which you could dress your son or daughter up in a World War II. They would dress them in a World War II outfit, and like they could be a nurse wrapping a bandage, or they could be like someone pouring soup into a mug, or they could be popping out of a tank or holding a rocket launcher or holding a machine gun. I mean— all of these things that were very jarring for us yeah. were like, oh, so this is school pictures. <laughs> <laughs> very different. Um, well, what's amazing is uh, this similar kind of like what seems to us like over the top kind of scenes that are set. They, that, they do that for adult photo shoots too, like photo sessions or family photo sessions. My wife follows a top photographer in the Petit Gorsk area. See this? I did not know. Oh yeah. Her photo sessions with families are crazy. The backgrounds, like she was advertising at what point, like next week on Tuesday, only photo sessions with the leopard Um, sign up for your slot now, you know? And, but like we have friends who go to her and we look at the pictures and are like, how, how is that serious? Like, (laughs) what do they do with them? Do they put them up in their houses? Uh, usually put them in photo albums. Okay. Um, oh, remember that time when we posed with that leopard? Oh, you look so good in that tiger skin. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm now making fun, but it's just, it's it's so different. It's totally different. It's very different. Cause we have, we have photographer friends in both places here and in the States and it's just really different. Well, I won't go into all of the clothing things that go into preschool or grade school, but there are a lot. This would be the next set of purchases, which is like a full suit for your first grader with black shoes and a tie. But our son had to wear one pair of shoes to school in first grade and then go in and change out of his street shoes into his school shoes and go inside. And then there are also, and this is true for preschool, then there are also like dance shoes and gym shoes. So you have three, four pairs of shoes per child. Yeah. No no questions asked. And you have to keep them all clean. Um, And then there's also different kinds of outfits like our kids wearing tights inside <laughs> our boys wearing tights inside in preschool, just stuff that we had to get used to. So you got to purchase a lot of clothes. Right. Yep. And I would say the final thing on my survival list of purchases to be ready to drop money on are gift bags prepared for any occasion. Yeah. You never know when you're going to need to give someone a gift, but people here, they pull like fully prepared gifts out of their ears. I mean, I've 
bumped into people and they're like by their car and they reach in and pull like a gift out. Like, here, it's for you. I just saw you right now. And I happen to have this gift in my car. And I'm like, who are you? You go to someone's house and they pull out, you know, a book for you or a, a box of food or they just always have gifts ready. So, uh, yeah. we were found so many times last minute, like trying to get a gift on the upside is they sell gift bags at every register in the city. I mean, practically, you know, they're, yeah. and, and you just get a box of chocolates, a box of tea or a bag of fruit is really popular here. And you're good to go. And you give it to the teacher on teacher's day or the, the person who's having you over or there, there are a lot of occasions for those gifts. I'm really glad you brought this up because I'm going to a friend's house this afternoon and I would have forgotten See? to bring him a See? gift. There you go. <laughs> but like, it's amazing to me. I'm so bad about that. Uh, remembering to bring gifts to folks, but people are so consistent with that. Uh, coming to your house as a guest, et cetera. It's always, yeah. Do you want to know what's funny is there are a few other American families in this city and we will spend time with them. And I feel really ambiguous about it. Like, do I take them a simple gift when they have me over for dinner? Yeah. And then when they don't bring one, I notice it. But I don't, like, hold it against them. But it's like you start getting <laughs> a, conformed to the culture. You're like, well, oh, they didn't bring me. Well, that's because we wouldn't in the U.S. But we're not in the U.S. How do I feel about that? <laughs> anyway, water under the bridge. This so is those are my I'm survival like, tips. Christy, can sure, you and uh, yeah. that person's wife... <laughs> Yeah, work that out. Plan that. (laughs) So so this is where any listeners who have any experience in this or even other cultures, I'm sure people can relate to some of these. Like what are some parenting hacks, rules of the road, survival skills, kits, whatever that you've noticed? Let us know. We'll add them uh, to to the show notes. I think it'd be really interesting to get other people's inputs. But that's what I got for now, man. Dadding in Dagestan. Dadding in Dagestan. May it. May it trend <laughs> in in the World Wide Web sphere. <laughs> May I, 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 my wish for you is that your hashtag would trend greatly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Eli, thanks for that. That was that was from the depths of your dadding and Dagestan experiences. <laughs> There's and, more uh, that came from. Yeah, good stuff. So. Uh, listeners, make sure to check out the show notes. We're going to have some funny, uh, videos and links included. And like always, uh, we love hearing from you. So, uh, subscribe to our Facebook page. Don't be shy. Like interact with us, our posts, um, email us podcast at caucustalk.com. And of course, if you're traveling through Pitygorsk or Mahachkala, we would love to see you. Andrew, we could do momming in Mahachkala. Or momming, wow. momming in Minvodi, like <laughs> in the mineral waters. We could the possibilities uh, get, are endless. Put our wives' heads together and let them chime in because they have a whole different experience. All right, Good thanks stuff. for listening, listeners. We love you, and we'll see you when you get here.